You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even Hey guys, thank you for being here today, Making Data Simple. My name is Al Martin. I'm here with Rakesh Ranjan. Rakesh is the Director of Emerging Technologies for AI and Machine Learning for Data and AI here at IBM. So yes, another IBM, but we'll, we, we've got a good one here today, I promise you. Uh, Rakesh does a lot of next generation solutions here at IBM. And the cool thing I like about Rakesh is, well, a lot of cool things I like about Rakesh, but um, he, he works a lot with academia and research, so he's got a lot of cool projects. He, he gets to do the science experiments here at IBM, but the cool thing is the sci science experience, experiments that he does take on are, um, are all business-oriented. And so I mean, anyway, without further ado, hi, Rakesh. Uh, welcome to the show, and uh, thank you for being here. Hi, Al. Thanks for having me. <laughs> For those that don't know you, I know you well, and we'll talk a little bit about the project I've been working with you on, but for those of you who don't know you well, uh, please give us a little description of yourself, what you do, etc. Well, Al, you summarized my day job very well. I'm an executive responsible for building next generation solutions that have potential to transform industry in data and AI arena. My team infuses practical AI into a IBM Analytics products that helps our clients run critical businesses. People also call me a change agent. I ask why a lot, whether I'm doing my own day job or helping my team succeed with what they do on a daily basis. Maintaining the status quo is not my thing. <laughs> That's good. How long have you been here in this role? Uh, Boy, this has been uh, 19th year. I joined IBM in 2000, uh, exactly the when the dot-com bust was happening. And that was a, a great year, not so great year to be in California, actually. <laughs> yeah, but where'd you come from? <laughs> I came from Minnesota. So uh, I worked in Minnesota for a couple of years. So I where at have, where where did you work at? Uh, at Deluxe Corporation in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, very nice. Okay, I got it. And then you came here because you wanted to be inventive. Not that Deluxe isn't in, in, innovative, but uh, at IBM we 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 like to to we like our research. So uh, give me an example of some of the projects you're working on right now. And there's one that I do want to detail upon, and and that's the one we're working together on. But uh, why don't you give us a, a flavor of some of the projects you've been working on? Well, uh, I have a very interesting job. I love my job. In general, working with the latest and greatest technology is always fun. Uh, but it's not about technology itself uh, that excites me. It's about clients' problems that I try to solve with modern approach. Uh, there are many projects that I'm working on. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, one is, you know, getting insights from data since we are talking about making data simple for our clients uh, you know our clients always been looking to get insights from data they have been using robust query languages like sql for a long long time they have also been using tools that provide them pre-canned reports 
but with emergence of AI, especially in natural language processing area, I started looking at NLQ or natural language query to simplify getting insights from data. Now users can talk or type into machine and get the answer they need. In addition, they get personalized recommendations and future trends. Uh, I call them, I call this making data simple for business users. So that's um, natural language query or nat natural language processing. Um, can you talk a little bit more about it? That That is the project. You hit right into it. That's the project we're working on and, and what the value is. What do you get out of that that uh, differentiates itself and what's the value prop? So it, uh, getting insights from data uh, consists of uh, more than one step. As you know, Al, that, uh, more, our clients spend most of the time in uh, collecting data, curating data, transforming data, and getting into the shape that uh, business users can get insights from easily. And that's not an uh, easy task. Uh, you know, this, this area has been, uh, many companies have been improving uh, with their tools and technologies in this area. But uh, when I started looking at it, uh, I saw a potential of uh, making data really sim simple for business users, which means uh, can they get insights from data without going through a lot of uh, data prep? In other words, can they uh, just load data and machine identifies the pattern in the data and pre prepare data for getting insights for those users and uh, using the natural language query that they are comfortable with. They don't have to learn uh, complex uh, SQL or create uh, time-consuming reports. So it's uh, about applying natural language processing, machine, various machine learning services to, to identify the pattern in the data, uh, crawl and cache if necessary to provide instant answers, and many other technologies that we have built in the lab, putting together to uh, in a shape and form that you know, allows business users to get insights quickly. So it, it, just to, to drill down on natural language query, is it written voice or both? And can, by that, by that example, can I just say either write it or say it and say, hey, give me the revenue for all orders between like January 5th and January 10th? A great question. Work? The business <laughs> users now with... Uh, uh, emergence of these uh, devices on their desk, Alexa or Google Home, they would like to have a conversation with these devices and get the data they need. But hooking those devices with natural language query is not that uh, difficult, but processing natural language query and, and mapping those to the uh, query language that database supports is where we pay attention to. So yes, um, in essence, you can talk it out. Uh, we have a 
variety of speech to text and text to speech technologies in IBM that we utilize. Uh, but most of the business users like to have a semi-structured, semi-natural language query uh, that they can they can quickly type or talk to. So I'll give you an example. Instead of writing the full text, say, show me all the baby products that was sold in California store number 22, you would say uh, total sales in my store number 22. So it's a, it's a practical, it's a pragmatic, so you don't have to write too much or talk too much to the system. So basically, in essence, the beauty of it is we uh, we can replace SQL with nat natural language query uh, to be more, uh, I guess, conducive or, or more, um, what's the word I want to say, just more suitable for the business user, user that doesn't have to know how to what, how to write an inner or outer join. You just go straight at the, 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 the data with uh, simple language. Yes? Yes, exactly. And we want to make our business users productive so they can focus on running their business, make focus on focusing on high value things that they do every day and not focus on nitty gritty details of uh, SQL or learning SQL if they don't know. Is it available today? Of course it's available today. So we brought it uh, a beta version of our natural language query uh, engine called db2 augmented data explorer that works with our db2 flagship db2 database and it's out there for uh, our clients to try in fact we have uh, many clients who are using it in, for for uh, in their daily operations nice that's good so um you know, transitioning, what other technologies, and by the way, that's one of my favorites, so thank you for that. Uh, as I led the data group, uh, that was one of the ones that uh, you and I talked on several times. But what other technologies are in your bag of tricks that you're working on right now? There are many, uh, Al. So most of our clients use uh, data ops platform, you know, these new concepts of data ops where you collect data, you organize data and analyze data. And this is a fundamental workflow that any company needs to be able to democratize data in their organization and improve their business processes uh, across the organization. And if we talk about, uh, we just talked about uh, collecting data and making it available to business users. And let me talk to you briefly about the middle piece where organizing data. And most of the clients in use govern data lake to collect data and then apply governance, which means they uh, discover metadata and apply their business glossary as a meaning to these metadata. So we have developed tools that uses artificial intelligence and machine learning models to discover metadata automatically and 
assign meanings from your business glossary to these metadata. So they become rich and they become the part of the governed data lake uh, workflow. And what does it do, do is to provide these business users, including data curators and data stewards, an opportunity to use those metadata to feed into uh, 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 regulated workflow, especially in the regulated financial industry where they need to comply with regulations and, and uh, make sure that they make the data, um, uh, they, make, uh, they enable their business users with self-service data preparation and enable their data scientists to consume these data into their data science applications. So essentially DevOps, uh, or sorry, DevOps, see, yeah, I almost said, D data ops where you're trying to reduce the 80% um, the of the time that's spent cleaning, curating, uh, and massaging, ma massaging data for the data scientists so that you can um, reduce the, uh, I guess, the, the time to value here, yeah? Exactly, exactly. So the these were the mundane tasks that our clients used to do for more than six months, assigning business meaning to data manually, and and then reviewing these workflow by by uh, industry experts and lawyers and uh, other folks in their enterprise. Eighty percent of this work can be done using AI, and that's where uh, uh, we brought AI into action. That, you know, now, now we do 80% of our, your work. Now you spend 20% of time in either reviewing or uh, uh, provide aiding, aiding high, high level value to, to these metadata or to this workflow. So what do your studies really show you, though? I mean, how much are you cutting that down on average? And can you give the audience a little bit of an a, example? Because I, I think the contrarian view is that you know, everybody's out there saying, yeah, everybody wants to reduce the time to, to uh, cleanse data or whatnot. But, um, you know, what's the really magic bullet here? I mean, is it significant? Do I want to take a look at the technology that Rakesh is talking about or... Is it just the the next best thing? I'm I'm just curious if you could quantify this in some some absolutely absolutely. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Last year I was working with uh, one of our uh, financial uh, client in banking and finance industry, and a typical banking and uh, financial institutions have on average uh, glossary, which is business glossary, which is uh, nothing but a parent-child hierarchy of business terms is structured in a way that represents the knowledge for their business. In the order of uh, 200,000 terms in the glossary, and uh, give or take, you have a huge amount of metadata from the data lake that you want to bring into govern data lake. So you can have a governance on, on those mission critical data so in terms of metadata, we are talking about hundreds of tables in the columns and 
and on average 200 plus columns in a table. And these, as you know, all these metadata are very cryptic in nature. Most of the metadata were created 10, 20 years ago where no description for tables and columns. So uh, you're talking about a very cryptic metadata, something like AR underscore TR. Does that mean anything to you? Or CST underscore, uh, you know, IST. And, and most of the companies, organizations would spend months and months to, you know, put together a team of industry experts who would go through these uh, metadata discovery process, assign the business meaning to it, which means, you know, uh, in a tool, they would assign metadata uh, terms from their organizations to these metadata and save them. And some of these were automated using rule-based engine. But what I brought in is uh, fully 100% AI-powered metadata discovery tool that would do this six months, eight months long process to a matter of days. And literally I'm talking about six days instead of six months. All, all our data curators at clients shop have to do is to review them and make sure that they look good. Uh, and, and as most important thing is, as they acknowledge and approve them, machine learns it continuously. In, in other words, machine learns from their acknowledgement, their approval, their assignments of terms to these metadata, and it gets better and better. So next time when you do, do the same thing for different department in your organization, it, the outcome and accuracy gets better and better. How cool is that? Oh, it's very cool. Well, you, you, you had me at six days instead of six months. Uh, is this a, is this in the form of a new product or is it a new offering altogether? Or is it integrated into existing offering? Oh, it has been part of, uh, our unified governance and integration products portfolio since uh, December of 2016. So you can imagine it has been matured. It is being used by uh, last, I was told, most of our client base, 100 plus clients have been using this. Uh, on the other hand, this technology is available also on our flagship IBM Cloud Private for Data, which is our data ops platform that I was talking about a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a one single pane of glass providing our customers uh, entire workflow of collecting data, organizing data and analyzing data into into one platform. That's our, you're talking about ICP for data, right? Yep. IBM Cloud, for those listeners, IBM Cloud Private for Data is our microservices architecture that has Kubernetes at the core, containerized, et cetera. So you're able to integrate all these technologies together. That's where uh, Rakesh is referring to a, a data ops uh, platform. Uh, good, that, that, that's uh, actually a very good example of where the microservices architecture uh, can you know, add, add a ton of value. So you've given me MPS and LQ is one of the, the uh, areas you're working on. You're also working on data ops and reducing the uh, 
you know, largely the collect, I guess also the organized piece of um, uh, data cleansing, gathering, uh, harvesting, etc. So those are the two. You got a third one? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> many more, Al, but I'll talk about the, another one, which is very uh, close to my heart. Uh, not sure you have heard about uh, multi-party computation or secured multi-party computation. When we talk about uh, data analysis, you know, this is an era of uh, shared economy. So shared data analysis, uh, how do you perform analysis on data, which includes machine learning model, uh, running machine learning on shared data without losing the privacy of the data? So uh, there's a concept now picking up uh, called privacy preserved data analysis and there is a technology called SMPC which makes it possible without losing the privacy of data. In other words, if you are an analyst com company or you are an FDA like organization wants to do analysis on data collected by various clinical trials coming from different companies, or simply you are doing a wage gap analysis collected from on a salary data from multiple organizations or department within your own organization. Uh, nobody wants to share data for, you know, competitive reasons or, you know, who knows the data breach can happen at the third party or broker itself. So it's a scary thing you know, these days especially in lieu of uh, all the privacy regulations we have, you know, GDPR, we have a California regulations coming into effect from January 1st, 2020. So hard moment, that... what you're doing is you're trying to take data, perform analytics on said data or, you know, machine learning, anything. And you're trying to protect the privacy of that data while, you know, using it, at, at will, which is always a, a, a tough thing, right? Because you don't, you can't share data with private information, right? So that that's that's your ultimate problem statement and goal here. Yep, yep. And and how to facilitate this uh, with uh, confidence that uh, data contributors can share data uh, with confidence? They know that uh, this tech uh, called secure multi-party computation would allow them to securely share the mask data and not the data in real data. So uh, in the at the same time, uh, they don't want to uh, anonymize or mask the data on which you are trying to run the machine learning model. So uh, MPC allows data contributors to share the data while preserving the policy and we are i'm very proud that we are bringing this technology as a service on icp for data platform where uh, organizations will be able to securely use data from multiple sources to not just analyze but run machine learning model predict and share the analysis results of the analysis back to the those contributors. So you're using a form of masking? Is that what you're doing? Is that the technology behind this? 
it's a it's a different uh, homomorphic encryption techniques all uh, that uh, facilitates the masking of data uh, uh, while uh, preserving the actual format of the data so then you you can see the data that you're looking for but you can't tie it back to an individual you right so you you cannot uh, see the actual data because data has been masked yet the format of the data has been preserved which means right. i'm confident that if i'm running a machine learning model on salary data i'm running on the actual salary data not the made up salary data yeah but so you can't see individual data you 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 can only see the aggregated answer is that what you're trying to suggest yep yep so everything else is ma masked except for the the answer that you're looking for, which is in aggregate and not um, by individual. The problem is that what if you had only two individuals? You could say, well, then you could figure it out. I mean, is there what what kind of limits do you put behind it so that you're not able to essentially reverse engineer the algorithm to to find individual data? <laughs> yeah, obviously uh, you're not going to run the analysis on two people's salary data, so, uh, but, but. You know, I always there, think of these things, right? <laughs> there, there, there are many other techniques that uh, uh, we can bring to mitigate that problem. Uh, but in general, you're gonna bring the, uh, you know, and there, there's a very good example, Al, on Boston Women's Council ran a salary wage gap analysis for women in all of Massachusetts, where they use this technology to convince all the private and public sector companies to share women's salary data. That was a very successful project which uh, evangelized this tech, tech and now it's getting adopted by many companies. Fantastic. Now, again, is this a product that's available right now, or is this something you have in research, or is it part of a another product? Oh, we are bringing this technology on ICP for data in next few months. All right, so I got it. So three projects we've went through. Uh, number one is natural language query, uh, which is uh, essentially... Um, semi-natural language query you can be written or or, or verbal to get answers in uh, using natural language you've got d uh, data ops which is data ops being your entire data life cycles from data preparation to analytics um, you're uh, essentially pushing data ops and the ability to reduce the time it takes to uh, collect organize even analyze data in a microservices architecture like ICP for data. Hope I'm saying all this right. And then thirdly, uh, a project not yet in market, but will be in our, again, ICP for data, our, our microservices architecture, where you're driving shared data analysis without losing the privacy of said data. Correct. Those are, those are, those are, I know you got many more, but you, you would consider those your top three. Yep. This has been a little bit more question and answer uh, this session, but uh, I think you know this is this is interesting. So I know you also lecture at San Jose State. Uh, you've done that for for many years. You see, you've got this connection with academia. 
you know, why, why the importance and how do you maintain that, that connection? Oh, this has been a blessing. So being connected with academia helps me remain on top of research and current trends. Uh, I help my students get hands-on experience with cool IBM technology and hire them back at IBM. Uh, <laughs> you probably know, Al, you know, my class has been using IBM Cloud since, la since IBM Cloud was born, uh, last four years. And I have a university relationship with uh, San Jose State University where students get access to top-notch cloud technology for 180 days. Guess what? You know, they get top-notch technology to work on. We get students who use our technology and I get to use my industry experience and skills to share, mentor, and give back. It's a win-win for me. So if, I, I got to believe others would like that deal. Uh, is, is there an offering within IBM to, uh, from, from uh, academics to be able to leverage the IBM Cloud or other products within? I know, I know part of the answer to it, but I want to ask you the, the question. Absolutely. And who knows better than you? You, you <laughs> own the product portfolio in data science and, and, and uh, machine learning area. Uh, the day Watson Studio was made available for uh, academic use, fully free, you know, I made that uh, offering available to all my students. And, and they, they used Watson Studio desktop version for free in my class this semester. And uh, I can tell you, Al, how uh, excited I am. You know, they created so many applications using Watson Studio, using the full DevOps model of uh, creating models, deploying models, and managing the models all with ease. And they will have access to it uh, forever, I heard. So that's that's a, a very cool initiative that you have started. Yeah, for those listening, I'd also encourage you to Google IBM Academic Initiative. And you'll see that we have cloud, IBM Watson, data analytics, uh, blockchain, power system. We got, we got all kinds of different cloud access cor courses, uh, software that the academic world can uh, uh, take advantage of. So how did you, um, how'd you get on this path, man? You, you, you referenced it. I'm going to go into kind of our lightning round, ask you a few questions, and then we'll finish up if you don't mind. But how did you end up on this path? Um, did you always uh, know you wanted to work on new technology? I mean, what got you here? Uh, so that's interesting. If your question is about uh, how do I get into teaching, uh, both teaching, my parents... technology, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. So both my parents uh, are teachers. My dad was ah. professor in physics. My mom was a science teacher. And, oh, you will be surprised. I have a 27 teachers in my family. So teaching was in my blood. <laughs> and... When Not I, that anybody's counting. But when I studying, when I studying my own graduate program here at San Jose State University, when I finished, I was talking to my chair and say, uh, 
whenever you have you need industry experts to teach uh, here at university let me know and guess what the, i was talking to him and uh, i i believe it was october of uh, or november of 2010 or 2011 and next immediately after christmas he calls me and say hey i i have a opportunity for you can you come and teach i said yes so it's it has been a, a, a great journey since then l uh, being with academia you know uh, participate in some of the research programs that being conducted at university in fact i was part of a, a research program uh, for white house in obama government and i did a small analytics projects for uh, obama's chief of staff for uh, telecom industry so uh, being with academia gives you uh, is this classified your, or or what was this that you worked on for the administration this was an uh, insights driven from the data that they collect for uh, being competitive uh, across nations so yeah this was partially classified all right, man. Um, thank you. And I pres- we'll, we'll put your contact information in the show notes. I presume a lot of it's around LinkedIn or otherwise. But a uh, couple quick questions to end, which I call our lightning round, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up here. So thank you. But uh, what 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 of all the inventions that you've done, what are you most proud of? So I'm proud of a couple of inventions or innovations that we talked about one is a smarter catalog and when i say smarter catalog it's uh, uh, beyond one or two machine learning model or infusion of ai you know how do you make the customer's catalog smarter when they start using our product in their hybrid cloud environment so which means uh, getting them a very good bootstrap uh, and then learning from the data that they start ingesting into it. Uh, I'm very proud to take this smarter catalog initiatives to the next level, adding visual recognition model to it so clients can ingest uh, visual images. You know, a lot of banking and insurance clients use the visual images for automated claim processing, etc. So it's a, uh, a smarter catalog is the project where we keep adding new values to our uh, clients and they they take it to enhance their own business processes and make their employees productive. Got it, got it. Hey, so let me let me ask you another quick one. Thank you for that. What um, what's the last thing? So I got to get into your mind here for a minute. What's the last thing you read that wasn't email? You talked about a book, long shot, but is there, you know, what's the last thing you studied, researched, the book you're, you're reading? Just, just kind of. So, yes. So, uh, I read a book long time ago called Without Their Permissions by Alexis Ohanian. He's a co-founder of Reddit. Uh, very famous guy, uh, young guy, 
became millionaire at age of uh, 27 or something and it's a it's a very good prescriptive book that i keep on my desk and keep referring this uh, for many reasons and uh, part of my job is to uh, you know bring up uh, crazy ideas and nurture them and you know many companies all that uh, uh, people look look at uh, or uh, ask for their bosses permissions their managers permissions to do something and uh, that's where uh, they fail because you know they 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 are either afraid to take the initiatives and work on crazy ideas they have or they wait for the system to give them a green signal or or uh, uh, to go nurture those ideas so th- this book has a lot of tidbits that i uh, follow and i i keep looking at it to remind myself that i don't need permissions to do uh, work on crazy ideas or work on something that uh initially yes client uh, people will not be very receptive of but that definitely my gut feeling says that that has a potential to change industry or change uh, provides clients a, a value proposition what what was the name of the book without their permission without their permission that's it by alexis ohanian he was a founder of co-founder of reddit.com is i was going to ask you uh you know who would be a role model uh is is that your role model if that is that the answer to that question What's oh no 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 okay. no my grandfather is my role model and my as i told you 27 teachers in my family my grandfather was a teacher too yeah and and he was not just a teacher he believed in that every Uh, human born on this planet has a birthright to get educated and and take education to uh, to to make their life better and their uh, life better for the people that surround them so uh, one interesting thing i would share about him is you know if your handwriting is not good al Uh, in his mind you are a very clumsy and complex person <laughs> so for him good handwriting is the point good handwriting you got to have a good handwriting hey there's wisdom in there so what do you do in your free time man so do something for fun two of my daughters keep me busy uh, i'm a vivid reader i like to read magazines other than books i subscribe to at least four or five magazines that i read and, and those are what can can we you know what 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 are those four magazines those are popular science magazine the wired the you know some of the finance magazines cnet magazine uh, forbes you know the economist so you you name it it's a, a wide variety um, i don't have a, a, a most 
most popular one or something but you know i oh, i like good. to read that gives you that, that gives you a that gives us a uh you know kind of several that uh, we can look at popular science uh wired financing it got it so what's next for you man what do you think's up next ai is changing the world ai is changing the way we work ai is going to change uh, how we work how we think how we perceive how we uh, look at our jobs look at our and uh, to me l the most important thing is we are knowledge workers and knowledge is the key so learning and getting skilled on new technology is the key i have been taking you know couple of coursera courses on deep learning and convolutional neural network right now that keeps me busy but uh, what next is to get our ourselves ahead on this ai game and make sure that we reskill ourselves our employees our folks and and get it ready for the next big uh, evolution and revolution well thank you so much i think that's a good way to, to good a good point to end on you know i'm all in and uh, data and ai is is uh you know, where it's at as far as I'm concerned, the nervous system of the the world right now. So, hey, thank you, Rakesh, for, for being on, sharing us, you know, sharing with us your, your insights. Uh, I thank you. And uh, look, I know we'll continue our relationship. So I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Al. It's nice talking to you. Hey, thank you so much. And for everybody, until next time, uh, I'll see you on Making Data Simple. See you. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out.